Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the microphone with thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Hi, this is Tim Venable of Cornet Global. Joining me today are Lisa Stanley, CEO of Oscar International, and Jamie Leary Erickson, Vice President of Real Estate at Nokia, and a member of Cornet Global's Board of Directors. They are here to talk with us about Oscar International's Environmental Data Standards Working Group, a collaboration among leading organizations in corporate and commercial real estate to standardize environmental data. Thank you both for being here. Thanks for having us, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Lisa, as we get underway, if you would please share an overview of how the Environmental Data Standards Project originated, Oscar's focus on industry-wide collaboration, who's participating, including Cornet Global, and uh, some use cases that are included. I'd be happy to. The whole challenge of looking at how real estate interacts with the environment has been coming along, and for a variety of reasons, including um, reluctance of people to return to the workplace full-time, um, the pandemic, and other external factors, that impact of how real estate interacts with the environment has moved front and center, perhaps more quickly than, than other topics have in recent memory. And as we look at how Oscar's role has evolved in this, as you know, um, the precursor to Cornet Global provide the seed um, resources to create Oscar more than 20 years ago. And our focus has been, from the very beginning, development of real estate data standards and support for its implementation. So we look at the E of ESG in terms of the Environmental Data Standards Project. What became clear is that it was an industry-wide challenge. And it brought to the forefront that the lack of data standardization was creating significant challenges for organizations to be able to move forward, to collect it, the data, to analyze the data, to report it, and more importantly, to use it for informing decisions. So we held a meeting in New York City in September of last year, invited some industry leaders to participate in a discussion that quickly focused on common ground in the investment sector, in the corporate real estate sector, and with the external business partners that work with both. The uh, web address that we put there can provide more information for folks who are interested in learning more about the project, but that seed of a meeting in New York City is what quickly became the impetus for this project. And we were thrilled that Cornet Global and some of your senior leaders, including Jamie, would participate in the project with us to go forward and identify, and I'm going to read these because we've changed the names of this, although the content is still the same. The seven use cases, and for people that aren't familiar with use cases, it's what's the, the problem we're trying to solve or the issue we're trying to address. They include manage facilities, direct emissions policy, collect data from functional owners, data reporting requirements of supply chain, collect data from supply chain, benchmarking, and compliance. And as we look at expanding the industry data model, that by the way is free and open access to the industry through our website, the important part is 
focusing on that common ground and creating a collaborative environment where people come together and are able to work very effectively and frankly, quite quickly in the scoping phase of the project that identified these seven um, use cases, but also now in the development phase where we expect this project to be completed mid to late summer. Okay, fantastic. Great progress already. Now, uh, Jamie, turning to you now, please. Um, why are you participating in this environmental data standards project? Tell us about that and, and tell us about how do you expect to apply the standards uh, when they're done in, in your in your role at Nokia? Yeah, that's a, that's a long-winded question. I could probably go on forever, but I think that couple of the primary reasons that I'm participating in the project, well, first and foremost, as a as a member of Cornet Global and also our board, right? I think I have a passion for continuous learning and improvement and uh, figuring out ways to help our industry grow and innovate. And, and this topic is one that we've all talked about for some time, right? We've, we've talked about corporate sustainability and CSR and ESG and all of these acronyms. And um, we have an obligation really to our planet and, and the future generations to make sure that we're doing the right things, especially for those things where resources are not infinitely available. So that's probably the first reason. And the second reason, as I, as I put my, my Nokia hat on, is really that ESG is an integral part of our strategy and it is embedded in our new corporate brand, which was just uh, published last month. And for me personally, leading a real estate organization, these elements are embedded in every single decision that we make. And it is a, you know, corporate real estate is a vast and varied industry and role with a supply chain that, you know, end to end is quite large. And Nokia in particular has been reporting, you know, probably since 2019 on corporate sustainability. And in recent years has set targets around um, our 100% renewable energy by 2025. And, uh, net zero emissions by 2050, and to get from where we are today to where we need to go, there's so much in that end-to-end -end view of a corporate real estate life cycle or a building life cycle that still needs to be addressed, right? You can't manage it if you don't measure it, and if you don't measure it in a consistent way, how do you know which buildings are better than others, or how do you compare things? How do you interact with your supply chain from a real estate perspective only? But then I think about our corporation and what we do and the supply chain you know, that exists in terms of our products and the concern of our customers over how well we are addressing environmental and uh, social issues and governance issues as well. So really for me, it was a, a twofold purpose. To answer your question, Tim, on how we intend to imply the standards, I, I think that remains to be seen, right? Clearly there are areas where we do have data and do already measure data, but there are others where we do not. So for example, when we go to do site selection for a new facility, it would be wonderful if we had um, apples to apples comparisons on how well those facilities run. Um, and that doesn't necessarily exist today. So you you kind of have apples and oranges and pears and bananas, you know, and how how does that all work? So I think you know, that's what, but one example of where we would intend to uh, apply the standards in our you know, daily business of managing a real estate portfolio on behalf of a large corporation. Mm -hmm. Sure, well, it, it, I can see how that would add a lot of value and really be great to have if you did have that direct apples-apples comparison, sure. 
So I, I just want to, I just like to add one thing, Tim, to that. As, as you look at data standardization, some people are still, you know, so are we saying that companies need to strive for a certain value in terms of, mm -hmm. you know, what their greenhouse gas emissions. That's not the kind of standards we're talking about. We're talking about standardizing at the base level terms and definitions across platforms. And I haven't yet run into any head of real estate or anyone else that's involved in the management of real estate that has said, I have all the data that I need readily available at my fingertips that's consistent across platforms. And in many cases, organizations have made significant investments financially and otherwise in software programs, platforms that they extract information from and put in what I like to call the state-of-the-art spreadsheet that is then humanly manipulated and is used to inform decisions. So um, what we're hoping to do is to create an easy to use tool that will encourage people across that entire supply chain, across the asset life cycle, um, to standardize that data so that it does just what Jamie suggested. That was a great analogy, the apples and oranges and all the other fruits um, coming down back to, to one core approach. Great, Lisa, thank you for that. Now, my next question, I think you both have touched on it to some degree already, but I wanted to know what's driving the industry interest in environmental data management? I think you, you've touched on it already, but any further elaboration on that point? Uh, Jamie, do you want to go first? Oh, you can, Lisa. Well, it's, it is the corporate social responsibility. So it's what is the organization focused on in terms of, um, we'll call it corporate stewardship, right? How, how can we be better at using the resources that we have? I think it's also from a sense of looking at what's happening from a, a regulatory environment. Most people out there have heard about the SEC, the Security and Exchange Commission in rulemaking right now that will essentially require all publicly traded companies in the US to report on their environmental footprint. And while the process may be slow going from a regulatory perspective, the mandate for regulatory reporting and just as importantly, to be reporting accurately looms large in front of many, many organizations out there. And they're in different places in terms of the journey. Some like Nokia are further along than others. They've established a goal for zero carbon. They've developed a plan to get there. But I think that that's probably the, the two primary drivers out there and how to really define how to implement this standardization so it doesn't still require what will be an extraordinary amount of human manipulation and, and um, collaboration across what might be the largest spreadsheets in the world. Yeah, I think I think the, the collaboration and the manipulation, right, the real word for that is pain. And it's quite painful. Um, and, and most companies see this today, right? Because the technology solutions maybe aren't quite there yet. As Elisa mentioned, people are selecting software and using different tools to do different things. But at the end of the day, if you think about just talking about one element, if you talk about energy, right? And you do business in, in most, you know, a lot of companies do business in many, many countries. We're one of them. And in some countries, right? The infrastructure isn't such that it's even easy to get a proper invoice that shows your energy consumption in a small location. So really it's a, it's a massive undertaking just on that, that piece alone. 
And, you know, to comment further on the question, I, I think, you know, although Nokia is a company that's been around 150 years, you know, really we have a, um, it's a history of environmental stewardship and how we look at, you know, our real estate portfolio and, and uh, how we do our business, of course, um, and have been reporting for over 20 years on CSR, but there's still challenges ahead. And I think about all of those companies that are new, right? That that are young and how how do they address this? You know, for us, we believe that you can have purpose and have profit. And, you know, not only in how we manage our real estate, but when you think about um, our CEO, Pekka Lundmark has said, there is no green without digital, right? And we look at our own business and how we can support, you know, energy providers in, in, in terms of the real-time data that is that is needed, right? Using our technology and our product. So it's it's really integral to, to what we do. And for other companies, although it may not be integral to, to their core business, right? There is this element of purpose and, and also uh, consumer drive and demand in addition to you know, the financial elements that Lisa mentioned. So really it's, you know, you're starting to see this quick ramp up of expectations and a little bit of chaos. When I talk to some of my colleagues and the other um, corporations who do corporate real estate about the influx of requests that they're getting to provide data for which they don't have a standard and they don't have a tool and it's this highly manual manipulative process that's extremely painful. I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine it really needs some help. So, uh, you know, the next question here, Jamie, is for you, and you've touched on this, I think, uh, already to some extent, but what are some of the challenges that the Environmental Data Standards Project will address, and is there an area of particular interest to you in Nokia? Yeah, I, I think I think for me as a as a corporate corporate you know real estate leader, when you know Lisa mentioned the the use cases, the ones that are I'm particularly drawn to are those around supply chain. Um, you know, and and I mean when you know when you construct a, a a building, you know, you think about all of those things, all of the motors, all of the all of the chillers, all of the you know furniture, all, all of the products you use. I mean, everything, you know, needs to have some sort of rating or ranking or understanding in terms of how it contributes or does not contribute to your footprint, you know, and then you also, of course, have to look at your, your handprint and where you improve things from a social and a community and a, um, a governance pers perspective. But supply chain for me is super interesting relative to the what I manage in terms of corporate real estate, this end-to-end -end life cycle, and also the benchmarking, right? I think not only benchmarking uh, when you have procurement decisions to make, but benchmarking your internally, you know, sites versus sites versus sites um, in terms of how you do things and and benchmarking uh, facilities. I, I think I think as a as a whole, the industry has a real opportunity to better address the impact that we can have positively on, on the environment and sustainability initiatives moving forward. Yeah, and I think that raises a, a really important point. The data that's needed is needed from the physical property collected with the um, certainly skill set of facility managers throughout corporate real estate, the owners, the occupiers, and then carried through to the investment managers who are then reporting to platforms like Grisp that very much are designed to help investors determine where they want to invest their future funds. And I think as we look at you know, this initiative, we've got companies like 
um, Brookfield in Blackstone, uh, Bental Green Oak, Nokia, Oracle, um, MRI, Yardi, EY, uh, Lion Point, DealPath, and other organizations, including Connects and IFMA, who have joined in this effort that says it's really important we can make a difference by helping to develop this industry by the standard, by the industry, for the industry, in a way that helps all of us move forward more effectively. And I think, you know, that that's probably the difference between this project versus others, that we brought certainly a diverse group of people together in terms of skill set, experience, perspective, and insights. And the fact that we've been able to progress as rapidly as we have is a testament to the people who agreed to show up and to speak up and to move this project forward. Excellent. That's a that's a great uh, group of uh, participants you mentioned there. You've got the whole supply chain. You got the whole ecosystem. A lot of big names there, and I'm really glad to see that. Oh, and I and I don't mean to miss out on the service providers. JLL, CBRE, and um, and Cushman are all at the table as well. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So that brings up my next question. It's a great segue. I wanted to ask you both about collaboration. So it's a perfect mm -hmm. segue. I can imagine that collaboration within organizations such as within uh, Nokia uh, across that whole supply chain must be very important to the success of this environmental data standards effort. I'd just be curious to get your, your thoughts about the role collaboration is going to play in this. I, I, I'd say, you know, when, when I listen to you ask that question, Tim, the first thing that comes to mind is smart leaders collaborate, right? And I think, I think there's, you know, which is one of the reasons that I, I said, hey, I'd like to participate in this, in this project, uh, because of the value that those collective minds can bring. And, and so far in working on this, right, um, listening to those individuals in the real estate industry who on the on the opposite end of what I do, whether a service provider or a developer or building owners, right? Fascinating to hear the context. And I think oftentimes you get so uh, embedded in your own reality that you forget to take a moment to look up and look around. And there's so much that we can learn from each other, right? To, to actually realize where we agree on things and not necessarily where we disagree. But clearly there is an abundance of requirements for different types of data. And if we don't figure out how to work together to create a mutually beneficial or agreeable way forward, right? We, we won't move as fast as we need need to move. Uh, so me, the for me, the collaboration is absolutely key on this topic. And I think the, the participation frankly creates a competitive advantage for the people that are at the table because they are participating in the process. They can better prepare internally, I would expect, um, for what's to come next because we didn't get here overnight and we're not going to be able to solve the problem overnight, but we have to be able to outline a path forward that makes sense for each organization. And that's the key. These data standards are fundamental to the organizations out there across the industry from uh, corporate side or the investment side or somewhere in between the people that serve them, those external business partners. And, and that is where um, this implementation of data standards is so critical to be able to hit those marks of 20, some are aggressive and have 
you know, zero carbon targets of 2030, 2040, 2050. You can't get there without a plan and you can't get there without consistency in terms of the data. And one thing is still universal, whether we're talking about the early days of computers or today, garbage in is still garbage out. <laughs> It's the truth. <laughs> it's true, Lisa. I would add, just to comment on one thing, right? I think you mentioned competitive advantage. That that is, if if we we have an obligation to get this right, it it will. If if corporations do not get it right, it will have. This is my personal opinion. It will have an impact on margin, whether you see it now or not. It will come, and yeah. so nobody's coming to do this for us, right? And and that's why I love this project because it gives an opportunity to, to create something together. Excellent. And so again, a nice segue to my, uh, my next question, Jamie, back to you and your experience at Nokia. How is Nokia preparing, uh, you know, internally to address this whole topic, data collection for environmental data, analysis, reporting, and, and informed decision-making? Yeah, and, and maybe I mentioned a couple of things from, from Nokia as a whole, right, which I mentioned earlier. We we have been focused on this topic, you know, for some time. In my own area of, of corporate real estate, it's clearly something that I would say in the past couple of years has had a shift up in terms of the resources needed to address the volume of work. So I think that's that's important, having the right partner helping you, advising you is important. Having the right technology is important. But as Lisa said, you know, garbage in, garbage out. So then I think it's how also do you have do you have the data? You know, as a company, we've we've done lots and lots of things. You know, biodiversity is especially in, important to us. And we um last year added a fourth um uh what's it called newly protected land area. Uh, in, in Finland, which is actually, and I wrote this down, it's in fact the largest natural spring in the whole of Europe and provides drinking water to local communities. So we took a piece of land that we owned and helped to create a biodiversity area. And that's another trend that I'm starting to see. And that's a big picture Nokia thing. But when I put on my corporate real estate hat, it's, it's really about how do we continue to evolve at pace and what are the things that we need in our organization to be successful at that. So it requires resourcing and it requires funding. The funding will pay off, you know, in, in dividends in the long run, or it will come back and bite you if you don't get the right funding in the right way for things like technology to incorporate the data that you've gathered in line with the standards. Um, so those are, you know, those are some of the examples, Tim, that I would I would share in terms of what I see in my own day-to-day. It's obvious that all this will pay off in ways large and small in the in the you know weeks, months, and years ahead. So that's great. I did want to ask about collaboration again, uh, Jamie. Uh, could you tell us more about how you're collaborating with the business and with IT? I can mm. imagine that close co- collaboration with the business and with your IT leaders must be vital to improve data uh, management on this front. Mm-hmm. Surely, I, I think uh, the the business collaboration collaboration for us is a is a daily a daily operation right we bring a level of expertise with regard to our own facility operations and the way that we develop technology you know in our in our buildings r and d it goes hand in hand so we very much have to partner and educate our, our business colleagues uh, and make transparent 
the options available to them. I think off, it is my job to put ESG and uh, environmental initiatives, sustainable initiatives and social and community inclusion, inclusion and diversity, I can go on and on. It's my job to put that in front of the business relative to property, right? They, they focus on their core business, but property plays a large role in enabling our workplace, enabling our presence in the community, enabling productivity, right? In our, in our lab environments, you've, you've got to have the right um, mechanical systems and you've got to have the right footprint and, and floor loading and these types of things. They all have an impact on the environment. So I think it's, it's a constant um, education and push and pull. And we don't, none of us have, have any of the answers, right? But I think, I think that's it. That's absolutely key. And when I think about IT, right? In most corporations, IT is focused on the core business and maybe corporate real estate is a secondary thing. But over the past couple of years, in particular with regard to some of the changes that Elisa, that Lisa alluded to earlier, on the call about you know the impact of COVID on the use of commercial buildings um, and industrial buildings and other types of buildings, right? It, it's really something that has to become a, a, a for at the forefront, right? A leading a leading element in decision making. Uh, for for me, as an example, in terms of collaboration, we do an ESG assessment on every business case, and we do a couple hundred business cases a year. So we are providing that transparency and doing our job of educating those individuals that you know may not really have a focus on this from a day-to-day -day perspective to help them make the right decision, you know, and do the right thing when it comes to this topic. I would also add that I think from a technology perspective, in terms of the corporate real estate industry and property technology, we have a ways to go. We have innovation, we have lots of ideas, but they are not necessarily um scalable and they're not coming as quick as I'd like to see them. So for me, you know, when you're building a facility that you will occupy for 20 or 25 years, you have to prioritize those systems and solutions and technologies that will allow you to exceed your ESG targets, right? That's the next thing. We're talking about people just meeting them with standards. You're going to have to exceed them. That's going to be expected. So it's trying to make sure collaboratively, Tim, that up front, our business groups understanding this, and it requires a level of education and then and choices, right? That's my job to provide choice, as well as partnering with IT and the technology world to make sure we're making the right solutions that can be agile and you know stand the test of time. And a big Excellent. part of that is upskilling. I mean, we we talk about what Jamie just talked about is how they're internally helping to. Um, I'll call it raise all boats, right? Mm. Help people within the organization have a better understanding of why this is important and how they fit into the process. Because for many, many people out there, um, this is the brave new world or the Star Trek approach, right? Going where we've never been before um, and helping them build the skills to be successful in that transition that's part evolution and part revolution as well. Okay, excellent. And now back on technology for a moment. Um, just curious, Jamie, what kinds of tools or platforms or systems are you currently using to manage environmental data at Nokia? That's this part one of the question. And part two would be, what about regulatory reporting? I know that Lisa mentioned that earlier. How does regulatory reporting affect what you're doing? Yeah, I would say technology-wise, we use a variety of, of different solutions, including the you know 
super cool spreadsheet in, in some of those areas, but we do have other technology solutions and we do have partners who are who are key uh, in how we've arrived at where we are and, and will be part of our future success as well. Um, when it comes to regulatory reporting, of course, um, we do issue a people and planet report. We, we just had uh, the most recent report from 2022 published in the past couple of of weeks. Um, and I think, Tim, if we can put a link out there, that would be fantastic so that people can see that report. But that's not published in isolation, right? That's published together with all of the financial reporting and regulatory reporting that, that we do as a as a, um, a, a public company. Okay, fantastic. And thank you for sharing that document too. That'll be of great interest to our to our listeners. So my next question, I'd like to get your, your thoughts on supply chains and asset life cycles. We talked about supply chain a bit already, asset life cycles. I think you alluded to that. Those would seem to be two really important uh, features of effective data management. Just share with us a little bit more on that, if you would. Lisa, do you want me to cover or would you like to start? Jamie, please do. Yeah, I, I think, you know, when, when you look at, I think oftentimes when we think about um, real estate, and, and we have, I mentioned, a varied portfolio, right? I talk about we have biodiversity elements, but we also have buildings. When you're a company that's grown, as Nokia has over many, many years, you have buildings that aren't, you know, aren't the youngest um, in the world. And I think, you know, it's it, whenever we we think about those those decisions about what to do with maybe some of our oldest properties, we have to take ESG into consideration in terms of do you demo it? Do you do you redo it? Do you go somewhere else? What is what does that mean? And I think from the very start, you know, it's it's our job to make sure that we make strong decisions up front with our capital and the capital that we essentially borrow from others when I, you know, when you rent a building, you're that's essentially what you're you're paying for. Um in a way that allows this agility. I think today you know, constructed buildings aren't really agile. They're, they're really not. And how do you how do you do that in such a way so that we can ebb and flow? You know, what we've seen recently with COVID with people not coming in, right? Does everybody, it would be so nice if everybody had the ability to touch a button to ramp down their systems on Fridays or Mondays, or when you walk into the office, wouldn't it be great as a, as a property manager or real estate person, you walk in and you say, how's my building doing today? Right. And from an AI perspective, the building answers back and says, hey, you know, we've got happy people on floor two. And but the but the mechanical that air conditioning is broken on floor three. And hey, something went wrong with, you know, the emissions overnight. And so I, I think when you think about the life cycle, the decisions that we make, you know, in year one affect what happens in year 20. And how do we as an industry do a better job of allowing those things to to develop over time, right? Because it's not only the decision you make and you build it and yay, it's great and everybody moves in. It It's what happens in your five and 10 and 15 and 20 and how you, the systems that you need to operate from an FM perspective so that we're operating in the most efficient and effective way when it comes to ESG topics. It's it's really, uh, you know, we all, we, most people live in a flat or home or whatever, and you can experience the joy of that, right? It's that really times 3,000 when you're trying to manage these large assets on a day-to-day -day basis. Exactly. Uh, Lisa, any further thoughts on that question? I, I think in terms of looking at um, how we move things forward, it's, it's the proactive side, right, to plan ahead, but also the reactive 
response as well. If you've got a problem, whether it is, um, let's say a water leak, or you've got um, toilets that are running incessantly, how can you utilize the emerging technologies out there as well as the existing technologies to help you respond more quickly and more effectively to those kinds of things where there can be a, a tremendous savings in terms of how real estate um, impacts the environment. I've, I've heard and we've all seen in traveling to major um, metro cities that when the sun goes down, you can see this extraordinary array of lighting, right? Mm. That is lighting buildings that have very few, if any, people in them. So how can we become better stewards of those types of things that are, frankly, um, in many cases, what, what might be viewed as quick wins? Exactly. Okay. Now, um, as we wrap up, as we conclude, I do have one more question, and I want to get advice from you guys. So in 60 seconds, um, if you could both uh, think about this, what advice can you offer our audience as they evaluate how to address environmental uh, data challenges in their companies. Um, who'll go first? I'll go first. <laughs> so I think for me, you know, one, educate yourself. Uh, if, if this is a new topic to you, you know, reach out to everybody that you know, you know, use Cornet, use Oscar, use anybody who's in your profession to, to try to understand what this could possibly mean for you and your organization. I think similarly to when, COVID hit, you saw a resurgence, I think, of networking for people in our respective industries to try to figure out how do we, how do we crowdsource this? How does this work uh, moving forward? I think understand also, so that's the first thing, edu educate and connect. The, the second thing for me is to, to, to make sure that you understand um, the strategy that your company has in this area. And if your company doesn't have a strategy in this area, this might be something that, that you, should, you should raise. Um, and then third, after you've done those things, right, I think it's really taking a look at your own role. You know, sometimes we say what's in it for me, but it's more about what is it that I need to do and, and to make sure that you take action to um, uh, appropriately resource yourself and your team to, to address this moving forward. Lisa, what about you? Mm. Well, um... I think there's no shortage of advice we can give, but I'll, I'll concentrate on this. As you look at ESG, the G is governance. And as you're looking at corporate governance, it's very difficult to have effective corporate governance without effective data governance. So look at how developing a data strategy, if you don't already have one, um, bring together people. That collaboration, I don't think, can be underestimated, both within the organization and in having conversations with your external business partners, doing exactly what Jamie said, going to conferences, reading as much as you can, becoming very well-schooled so that you can understand from the tech side, not that you necessarily, unless that's the part of the business that you work in, not that you're a, a techno expert or even a techno geek, but you can look at how that can empower what your organization's doing as you look at how real estate impacts the environment. And that this is a journey, not a destination. We'll continue mm -hmm. to evolve. We'll continue to bring change leaders who are really, really smart like Jamie to the table to help guide the industry forward. And I think um, that that's, Probably the best advice I can I can provide. 
Excellent. Well, that's a great note to end our conversation on. Great advice from uh, both of you. Thank you very much. Uh, it's been great talking with you about this very important topic today. And I'd like to, again, thank you for being here and for uh, sharing all these helpful insights with Corning Global. My pleasure, Tim. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Jamie. And thank you, Tim. Our pleasure. Thank you. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.